Welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. I'm your host Ryan this week, and joining me as always is Crofton. How's it going, Crofton? Hey, it goes, Ryan. It goes. Yes, we have, uh, as of this recording, we just found out today that Doug Ford saw his shadow, which means we have two more weeks of lockdown. I uh, I can only joke at this point because I, it's the only way to move forward, I think. Um, Did you, like, I sort of expected it. Yeah. Did you expect it? Yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, anybody not expecting it, like, was, is, uh, I get it. I understand there are certain, um, there are certain businesses and services that have to plan as though the lockdown was ending on, on the 21st. And that is a reality. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, the numbers just, uh, the COVID numbers aren't there to support reopening. And I fully support them extending the lockdown, but it doesn't make it any easier, any easier. No, I, and like one thing that I deal with that you probably don't deal with as much is um, is vaccine envy, uh, and uh, what that is often is uh, like first off you're a young baby and I'm an old man, it's and true. so uh, I am closer to a vaccine time than you are because in 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 our province are rolling it out in age ranges and forty plus uh, is the next one, um, and. Um, but uh, I live uh, in, right next to a, a river, and across from that river is another province for our American listeners. That's like living near a state line. And uh, the state slash province next door, Quebec, is doing a much better job with the vaccine rollout than Ontario. And so it means that my Facebook feed, which is full of my friends, former co-workers, like I was working in Quebec for years and years and years, is just full of people getting their vaccine, including people like in their 30s now and and like even some people in their 20s. And I'm just like, what is going on? Why can I not get a vaccine? But meanwhile, everybody on Facebook seemingly can. And I recognize that it's because most of them are in Quebec. So that is super annoying because Quebec is right next door. That said, today was the day where it opened up uh, registration for uh, us 40 plusers province-wide and uh my wife and i registered this morning so we have appointments i am getting my first shot on may 21st and am super excited about it nice yeah ashley i think has her appointment for the 30th she is also not 40 plus but i think she she was able to book based on um her work as a, a frontline frontline worker uh with the bank but um for me, yeah, I, I won't be able to book until it goes it goes down to thirty plus, which I am assuming I think is just in a couple of weeks. But that being said, uh, I will book probably pretty much as soon as we can get in there. I know um, my mother constantly uh, texts Ashley with updates on the family, and uh, like my younger brother has his appointment, and my young my my youngest brother also has his appointment, and uh, they're in their no wait one of them's in their 20s and one of them is in their 30s so like it's coming around i get you like vaccine envy uh we've seen it i've seen it in the discord for gamers in i've certainly seen it on twitter uh, i think we even talked about it a month ago a lot of our american friends are getting their vaccine and i think we're gonna we're gonna get there i think this summer is gonna be a lot of you know um large numbers of adult ontarians 
having their first shot. And I think that's going to be great. And I hope it really helps get those numbers down. Um, so there is this, there is this light at the end of the tunnel, which is fantastic. Uh, especially when, you know, you've got the summer months and we, we have so little good weather <laughs> that you just want to take advantage as much as possible. Um, and I know you, you know, not to tease, but I know you had, uh, you had given me a little teaser as to what you were up to today. And I was super jealous of, uh, of your outdoors, uh, time today. And, uh, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but, um, I did have a question to, to kick off or, you know, lead, um, or follow up our vaccine talk. And I don't know if any of your kids went through, obviously your kids went through phases. Everybody's kid, kids go through phases, Right no, now, my, no phases. They no. just came out, and they've been the same since birth. Whoa. Like it's crazy. Yeah, Gwen still breastfeeds, and she's six. It's weird. Oh. Anyway, keep going. Some, yeah, okay. No, uh, no phases. No, no phases. Just they've continued to. Uh, what I mean though is like, uh, Caden had a phase where he didn't want to take baths, and he would just scream, "I'm not Zuma," over and over again. And uh, we had a laugh on this show. I no. think. Nobody wants to be Zuma, to no, be fair. Keep going. It's true. Nobody does. I get it. I see that now. I've been doing this show long enough that you've I've turned around on Zuma. I'm still rubble rubble for life. He's the best, but uh he's got a wicked backstory. Um and uh I think he's one of the only pups that has a backstory, to be honest. Uh but okay, but Abby has been going Wait. Well, <laughs> wait until they get to chase his alcoholic father. Trust me, <laughs> it gets dark. Yeah, it goes places. This is that's it's during the moto pup season, right? That's why yeah. his father may have been like a biker yeah. of some kind. Yeah, few DUIs, if you know what I'm saying. Till tra- Chase joins the force, exactly sets him straight. Exactly. Well, uh, phases are a thing that we happen to go through here at the Murphy household, and Abby. Uh, this one was kind of quick. She's she's kind of moved on from it, but um, there was a good like couple weeks where it was near the beginning of spring. We'd go for these walks, and it was raining a lot, so we'd go for these walks, and she'd she'd bring a container on these walks, and she'd collect worms. She'd have to go outside to get worms, put them in this container. She'd bring them inside. She'd put dirt in the container, and she'd be like, "Oh, I got my worms." you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring them inside. And she'd like put them up with her toys. And we'd have to be like, now remember the worms go outside at the end of the day, but she would like try to like bring them to bed. And I'm like, okay, come on, they got to go outside or else, you know, they're not going to survive the night. And I'm certainly not going to survive the night knowing there's worms in the house. But, um, you know, we'd go for walks and she'd be like walking around with this container and she'd just yell at complete strangers, just like, I have worms. And I'm just like, she's <laughs> she has worms she's collected the worms they're in the container obviously you understand that i don't know why i'm explaining this but i am explaining it to a stranger so yeah th- that's kind of subsided um she hasn't been collecting worms lately but like it was getting to the point where every day she'd have this like container of dirt filled with worms i think one time she went across to the neighbors and they have a they have a pool and it was filled with like dead worms and he was cleaning it out. And I think she literally like grabbed like a handful of those worms and put them in the container. It was, it's, it was weird. And then, and then turned to you and said, daddy, why don't we have a pool? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what she said. Um, and it's, it's, she's stopped doing it now. And I don't know whether it's because it stopped raining. And again, like, I'm not at all worried. It's just, it's just one of these funny things that kids do. Uh, another thing she'd been doing is we go for walks and she found this, uh, 
we found like a dead bird on the ground. It was a dead baby bird that had fallen out, of, fallen out of the nest or something. And it's become, it became this like landmark on our walks. Oh, we got to go up this way so we can go see the dead bird. We'd pass strangers and it'd be like, we're going to see the dead bird. And I'm just like, maybe, maybe we need to find something new to watch on TV or something new to latch onto. You know, it turns out there's like two dead birds on our route. So every day you got to go see the Northern dead bird and the Southern dead bird. And I think Ashley went out after hours and like, just got rid of it because we were sick of like walking and like telling entire, the entire neighborhood that we were just going to see these dead birds. Anyways, it was really weird. It's, it's done now. It's over with because, because whatever, wildlife has taken its course and the and the dead birds are gone but it was just a wild couple of weeks ryan I, I will be honest it sounds tremendously like a super villain's origin story uh, <laughs> yeah you know lo- let's go see the dead birds daddy so i can collect worms why don't i have a pool you know like it all True. it's all it's all coming together like you know if i'm reading the news later in life and Abby's doing some crazy stuff. I'll be like, you know, I did a podcast with her dad. I'm not proud of it, but it's true. <laughs> we tried to get Caden, uh, but he's uh, too busy. Yeah, I tried to get I tried to get Caden. And now he's her sidekick in crime. Oh no. Um, That's how it starts. Worms, dead uh, birds, stealing VCRs. Then it uh, could <laughs> stealing VCR. Yeah. That escalated. It did. Also, VCRs are probably not valuable the worms are probably worth more i don't know vcrs are coming back i think it's like vinyl right probably i don't know but definitely she could also be a fisher fisherman you know like fisher woman fisher person well see this is the thing i'm not a i'm not a i'm not a worm guy like i've never liked worms really no it's just not my like fishing i get it like putting on the hook i've never been able to do that like i'm not talking about like oh i'm into worms but like a lot of fishers people who fish can just they're they're totally fine with like baiting a hook and and doing about about that business it's never been my thing but like abby's all in she's like do you want to see the worm like she knows it bugs me right do you want to see my see these worms dad like oh look at this worm this one's wormy and i'm like okay just keep the worms away from me (laughs) Full of revelations today. I always I had you pegged as a worm guy. Yeah. I thought you were just like, you know, you're done the show, hit, hitting it out back, digging up some worms, put them in, in a bucket, being like, oh, sweet worms. Look at those worms. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, like my, I'll be honest, my kids don't don't care so much for worms. I'm pretty sure Clara, speaking of phases, will get into a phase where she'll want to step on them, but yeah. she is not. She is not at that. Uh, phase yet and i will enjoy the ride uh in the meantime but that was a a a very interesting and somewhat disturbing story ryan thank you you know what i just a lot of things happen in two weeks and like i said we've we've moved into whole new territory and i'll talk about it in the diaper section and I'm, i'm looking for some feedback but it has nothing to do with dead birds or dead worms or whatever and uh i i think with nicer weather it's gonna be more about riding the scooter and going for bike rides and less let's go see the dead bird so uh hey kids are curious right and she's not harming anybody except for the worms i guess but uh and the worms and the dead bird stuff is separate did not it's not the same story it's just happened to be the same week uh all right well let's move into the dungeons and i'm curious you have a show in here that i 
it, it's on my it's on my list of of shame. I I've always wanted to watch it, but I've never seen an episode. And this is Thirty Rock. Yeah, uh, so it is funny because I was on my list of shame as well, somewhat. And I, as I speak to my friends, it's on a lot of people's sort of list of shame. And I, you know, I'm trying to figure out why that is, like why there were so many people that watched it. And I, I do feel like, like, um, to a certain extent, it is like I do, I do, I it's don't want to say Baldwin. It's, I think that's what it is. No, I don't think so. I I think it's 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 actually that this, in and I mean I don't mean this in a bad way. It's tough not to because it comes out as like you know sexism and all this, but like the idea that this is a a female led comedy show, as is Parks and Rec for that matter with with Tina Fey, and I think that I think that people like self identify with you know, lead characters of shows. And I think 30 Rock was marketed maybe, maybe when it came out to women a little bit based on Tina Fey being, being the lead. And, um, but Jesse was never into it or never, never wanted to watch it. And I, and like, I'm not like, it's, I'm trying to be more aware of my own biases. Like why wasn't I interested more in 30 Rock when it, when it came out? And I, I just, I just think that I, I didn't identify because with, with like Tina Fey's character, which, which is funny because now I'm watching it. I totally do. Um, uh, and, uh, and there was nothing about it that really pulled me in the door, except for the fact that I heard that it was a good show. And, uh, and, and I kept saying to, you know, I'm going to watch that someday. And I put it on my Amazon list when I saw it was on Amazon and so forth and so on. Uh, it won a lot of awards during its run. It's over, but um, it originally aired in 2007, which is an interesting time to go back to for somebody like me. For you, it'd be different, but like I was a very much an adult in 2007. Like I was like, um, <laughs> like I, I, was in, I, I was in high school still. You were what? I think I was still in high school in 2007. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know, I'd been, I was working. You had your first like, kid, yeah. No, shut your. Uh, but uh, I, I could, I could have potentially if I was Ryan Murphy, I would have I, had five. But um, <laughs> yeah, but true. but uh, so 2000, 2007 It's just it's an interesting it's an interesting time because like George W. Bush is still in the White House, for instance, um, at the time that the first episodes are airing. Um, but yet, uh, and and so much of the comedy is. Um, not of the time, but like, you know, it, it it's about, so let me just take a step back. It's about the behind the scenes of a SNL Saturday Night Live type show uh, based at 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Uh, so 30 Rock. And um, I, I mistakenly thought, like one of my preconceptions a little bit was that it was going to be one of these, I guess, um, the shows that I like a lot, the nice core type comedies, like the Michael Schur shows, Brooklyn nine, nine parks and rec, uh, the good place, uh, all of those shows that kind of feel good, make you feel good about yourself and people and, but are also funny. Right. Um, but it is not that it is in fact, uh, got quite an edge to it. A lot of the jokes I'm pretty sure have aged very poorly in the sense that like they're like you would never, they're completely politically incorrect 
now. Uh, but yet still, like, I'm able to laugh and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they made that joke. Or And, and there's, a lo- there's a lot of episodes like that. It sounds like I'm coming down hard on the show. But, in fact, I'm quite enjoying it. It's just like it goes down really easy. It has a strong set of characters. Um and uh, including Alec Baldwin as uh, Jack Donahue, who is in Alec Baldwin won a lot of awards for the show. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that he's deserving of all of them because like, I think Mike, um, Steve Carell as Michael Scott on the office was often on the losing end to Alec Baldwin in these, in these uh, award award presentations. And uh, I would say that like, they should have been splitting the difference here, but he is extremely funny as are a lot of the characters on the show. It is very much based on the strength of the characters. And so I've watched all of the first season and I'm kind of like halfway through the second. And I think the second is off. It's considered one of the, you know, better overall seasons for the show. I I'm enjoying it a lot. It's not like, it is not, you know, revolutionary comedy. Like it is, but it is an easy watch, a fun watch. Uh, it's, you know, it's easy to stream of three in a row and like get some good, get some good laughs in and stuff. It started as my fold my laundry show, and now like I'm kind of in between games and stuff right now. So I and my wife has started to like. She's watched a few episodes uh, with me and being like, "Oh, I, you know, are you going down to watch Thirty Rock? I'll, I'll, I'll check. I'll check that out too." So I I can't say it's like necessarily a slam dunk the most amazing show ever as i think some of the reviews had it as at the time but it's really being like it's like it's really been good and uh i would pretty much recommend it to anyone with the caveat that some of the comedy is aged poorly including you know like like some of the some of the language and the words that they use in 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 this um it's really uh and and i know like i've done some google searches for like you know, jokes in 30 Rock that have aged the worst. And there's some that are coming up that I'm just like, I cannot believe that they, that, you know. And, and part 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 of that is, um, no, I have thick enough skin that I'm able to be like, you know, that's not, not appropriate a, a joke. And if I was doing a show today, I wouldn't include it. But I am able to appreciate it in, in the historical, you know, in the historical context. And there is a lot of that too. Like there, there is an enjoyment to watching the show now and seeing them talk about things that are going on in the pop culture sphere at that time. And I remember it and I'm just like, oh, because it looks good. Like all the characters, the fashion of society in a show like this hasn't changed so much from that time. There's nothing that is so dating that like you'd put it on, you'd be like, Oh, this is clearly from 2009, you know? But when you're, when you're um, watching it in the conversation and some of the references and the references celebrity, like Liz Lemon, the main character was dancing to a song by Chamillionaire. And I was just like, uh, and and Jack Don he gave her concert tickets for a Chamillionaire uh, backstage tour or whatever, and I I was laughing just because that's such a dated reference, such a dated 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 reference. But anyway, yeah, I would I would just say like uh, I, it's on Amazon Prime. If you know like if if you miss Thirty Rock, you know you you could pretty much go straight into the pilot. Like it's not one of, even though people say the first season is perhaps rougher than the others as is the case often with these comedies. I felt that like it's 
the first episode really sets the stage pretty well. Like, you know, kind of what you're getting into. Um, and, uh, and I would watch it right from the beginning. So I, you know, I wouldn't skip the first season or anything like that, uh, which you might do with some of these shows. So anyway, that's Crofton's review of 30 Rock. Sweet. Ryan, you may want to check it out. You I may want to. Here's the thing. I, uh, I do have a show that is currently our, we only got 20 minutes. We only got 30 minutes. We're both exhausted. Well, do you want to watch an episode of, X? what is it? Well, it was Kim's Convenience until we ran out of it on Netflix and we're too lazy to... And CBC Gem isn't working on our TV upstairs, so we've only been able to watch uh, certain episodes of Season 5 on the tablet um, when we have a chance to watch it there or downstairs. But um, we we got recommended to watch uh, Superstore on Netflix. That's what my buddy Mike's watching right now. Yeah, and... I'll. I don't have. I didn't have it in the notes. I. I mean, it's. It's sort of our folding laundry show, or yeah. our. We. We have yeah. twenty minutes. Let's watch something because you know we could watch uh, the rookie that was on, but it's an hour show. It's really good, but we want to go to bed at a decent time because our kids are waking up earlier. They yeah. like push it five minutes earlier every day for some reason. I think they're. I think they're self aware, um, but. Yeah, and then we we also have Handmaid's Tale, which I'll talk about in a bit. But they're long shows, and and some of those shows have like their commitments, their they're commitments, like, and they're yeah. thinking shows, right? Like there's a lot going on. Whereas yeah. uh, Kim's Convenience was just a fun sit back and watch, and Superstore really wasn't something we originally latched onto because it's I think the same issue I would have with Thirty Rock. It's almost too quirky for its own good. And Superstore has this issue as well, whereas a lot of the char- all the characters are over the top. I think that's my problem with Thirty Rock. From you know, outside looking in, I have never seen a full episode. I've seen snippets, and it just seems like all the characters are playing one hundred and ten percent of their characters. You know what? I would say that that's a fair that's a fair thing to say. Like, uh, I mean, I think that that is buffered a little bit by the fact that it is at at a uh, you know. SNL type show where you expect people of this sort of flamboyancy. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say that, that that is true, that a lot of the characters are like big characters and, and bringing big character energy. Uh, the, the disclaimer I'd, I'd, say, I'd have for 30 Rock is that, it, like, did you ever watch Community? I did, and I loved Community. So Community is a, is a really funny show, and I really like Community as well. But Community is, while it is about a bunch of friends hanging out, it's a mean show. Like, people are mean to each other. Uh, and uh, while they do these, like, Jeff Winger speeches about friendship, in the end, there's a lot of, like, digs and, and meanness to the inherently to the show. It's not like a Michael Schur show where they're all, like, where, where in the end, like, a Brooklyn Nine-Nine even though it's about police, is a nice show, like where everybody's nice and and uh, you know nice to each other, even though there's there's bumps along the way. Um, well, Thirty Rock is is uh, has edge. It has bite. It's like it's it, it is a bit of a mean show where you're like, oh my god, I can't believe he said that to her, 
like she's never going to talk to him again. Like in real life, like I would be like, that's I'd accept, or, you know, to a certain extent it's done for laughs, but like, I would just say like, I could see Ashley not Whereas I get what you're saying about superstore being like the folding laundry show. I didn't force 30 rock on Jess. Cause I was just like, Oh, it's a little, she might actually not enjoy this. It, there's some humor that I think she would find really like either too mean or, you know, uh, just, out of place um and uh and so i can see i can i can't necessarily recommend it across the board for people that might be sensitive to stuff like that where superstore i get the impression is a much softer show in that regard like it's more like it's whereas 30 rock you may have to be like oh you know there's a couple of flinch moments i guess yeah superstore is very it, it goes down easy it's not like a lot of the characters are over the top but no one's no one to a certain degree is getting hurt i think everyone kind of they it it reminds me more of uh, parks and rec in terms of but a little more over the top than parks and rec which parks and rec which i know is a lot is saying a lot but you know superstore is kind of like our just watch one episode we end up usually watching one or two just because they are somewhat funny the only disclaimer i'll give on superstore is if you make it through the first season it ends on a cliffhanger a really interesting cliffhanger and you're like well let's see season two let's get like because that's the beauty of watching it's all done they have all the episodes are done i think the final season's coming to netflix in a couple months and but the season one ends in a cliffhanger then season two episode one is uh it's it's not even a direct continuation of season one and you're sitting there like what is going on and i said to ashley after like 15 minutes like i gotta google it i gotta know why this show drops such a heavy season finale um and doesn't continue it and it turns out it was like an olympics special so it was a it was a special all it was an episode solely devoted to the olympics and in order to take advantage of all the quirky characters in their normal sort of situations they couldn't continue the season finale because the season finale kind of ends by sort of upending all the characters in a in a in a, in a really cool way uh cool in the way they they sort of they led into it but um but but right after that episode it it it's very jarring like that season two episode one episode is clearly a special it's not labeled that and when you go into season two episode two it is a direct continuation of the season finale that's the only thing i'll mention because it's gonna throw it threw me off and it's gonna throw everybody off so fair warning there but um from a tv show the one I'm actually watching week to week and, and Ashley and I are, are really glad to have the show back, which is The Handmaid's Tale. Um, it hasn't it did not come back last year due to the pandemic. They ran into some production issues and basically delayed the whole season to uh, spring of this year. So we're five episodes in, which is about the halfway mark. And uh, if you've ever seen The Handmaid's Tale, it is more of that. Um, more of season three, I'd say, than the first two seasons. The first two seasons deal a lot with, um, you know, uh, June and The Handmaid's Tale's struggles as handmaids. And, uh, but, but the season three and four, are a little more of, of the escape, the, the drama of, of, uh, trying to fight back against Gilead and stuff. And season four continues that sort of, that sort of path by no means is this like great pandemic television because it's very dour um but i'd say it's like it's got more of an edge to it than than previous seasons and that it's 
you know, our main characters are actually, they're still suffering, but they're like fighting back as well. So it's got, uh, it's got a little more going for it. You know, they've, they've fought really strongly to, to, for these characters to, you know, push back against, against Gilead, which is this, uh, uh, well, basically, it's America turned upside down and uh, infighting and whatnot. I don't know. Have you ever watched the The Handmaid's Tale? I'm guessing you've read the book. It seems like that'd be a thing you might have done. Yeah, no, it's funny because like I have read a couple of Margaret Atwood books, but that just so happens to not be one of them, which oh. is funny because like I I do feel and there there are some that like uh, um, anyway, there's there's something that. Was, would never be made into to, to TV shows. At least I would have thought that, you know, I partly thought that, that when I read, you know, the concept of the Hans Maiden's Tale, that it would be like not unfilmable, but very difficult to turn into it, um, you know, turn into a series. So, uh, but, but yeah, I, I am kind of like blissfully unaware of it other than um, like unaware of the, you know, the plot other than the overarching, overarching sort of dystopia um dystopic situation that is set up and the fact that um that it looks like a huge downer is a show uh, uh, like you know those it, it it just looks like one where where like hope routinely gets crushed and it's really downer type world and like i don't know if i'm misreading the tea leaves on that but it just feels like uh, i don't need this right now during a global pandemic type show am i misreading I I don't well, it's a it's a complex uh question because I think like to go into full details would obviously be spoilers but I'll say this like if you were to start watching this show season 1 episode 1 during a pandemic and you're looking for uplifting television this is not it the first season is very rough it is uh it is a journey of of these you know hand, handmaidens like being tortured and abused by by this uh you know, overpowering, um, well, country really like Gilead is a, is a country within, within the States. They've kind of taken over a good portion of it. But as the show continues into the second and third season, like if you've watched season one, two, and three, and you're thinking, ah, do I really want to, you know, watch season four right now and keep caught up? Like, I really think you, you, you could give season four a shot because really it continues those, um, those patterns that slowly built up in season one and season two, where June is fighting back, there's a resistance, um, there's there is hope, there is triumph. But you're right, like the show would be over uh, if, hey, she made it out, <laughs> you know, we did it. And and um, there is, but there is moments where people are rescued people make it across the border into canada canada plays a huge role in the show not only because this whole show was shot in and around you know toronto and the gta but canada literally is in this show as people make it across the u.s border into canada and again like there are certain you can sort of see it coming like we just finished the episode and it was like it ended in a way that was like yeah this isn't going to work out or else the show would be over, right? Because there has to be this continuation of, of our main character uh, continuing to struggle and, and, and try to fight back against, against Gilead. And yeah, it, it, but I find these, these newer seasons, especially season three and four are a little more balanced in their storytelling. It's less just um, 
you know, torturing uh, these, these, you know, Gilead torturing their people uh, or the people of the United States of America. And it's, it's more about, you know, how do other countries deal with the situation that's going, going on in the U S um, what do uh, American citizens crossing into Canada? How does that look? What sort of systems are set up in Canada to support the people, you know, fleeing Gilead and that and whatnot? And what do the people of the world think of of Gilead and what's going on there? It's they kind of expand the scope a lot in the fi- in these l- more later seasons, which my understanding is a, is a bit of an expansion of the scope of the book. The book is very much kind of the first season in dealing with. Never read the book, but. It, it's kind of dealing with uh, how the Handmaid's program works and what Gilead is doing and all that. All very, very terrible stuff. But I find that as you go on in the show, it's more about, you know, the resistance and, you know, June's struggle to survive and and, uh, and rescue her kids and all that fun stuff. So it, if you've watched season one, two, and three, and you're thinking, ah, I don't know if I want to watch season four, I think season four still has that um, that edge that the other seasons have. Like, it's not a jovial, uplifting show, but it is it is a great watch um, if, if, you, if you're invested already. But by no means am I recommending <laughs> you go watch this season one, episode one, uh, like, say, comfort food like Kim's Convenience or Superstore or 30 Rock. So keep that in mind. Yeah, no, it's good to know. And I really do at one point have to get back to challenging myself with art a little bit more. Um, you know, uh, I guess as as we get out of the pandemic, it will be easier to do that. Whereas right now, I still find myself thinking, oh, okay, what's this going to be like? And is it going to be a downer? And my time is valuable if I spend my my evening watching this thing. Am I going to... And, you know, Game of Thrones... Uh, when I was like a teenager, I loved the books and I was really into, you know, the fantasy stuff, but the whole, the whole thematic structure that it set, which was that people essentially kept like your, they would get you to care about people and then see horrible things happen to them. Uh, and then, um, you know, it was the same cycle of like building your hopes up. Same deal with Mad Men. They keep making you think that Don Draper will be a better character or a better person, or like you want to get behind him. You want to get behind him changing the way that he is, and then he never does. And I know that life isn't that simple, and I'm not saying that the show should be. It's just I don't want to watch that, right? I don't, I don't. It's going to make me feel lousy, and why would I spend my time with that right now? And uh, so for The Handmaiden's Tale, at least it sounds like it's trending upward. If it was a constant situation of character, you know, trying to escape and then, you know, bad things continuously happening, like them teasing you with a carrot of hope and then slapping it down, that would be the worst. But like, if it's trending up, like at least there's that. It still doesn't make it easy to get into the, to the beginning part of it. It's funny though. I, I, one thing I really wanted to, to hear was if it was still good because it was a bit of a sensation when it came out the first season in particular, it was a, it was quite a, but yet, People have not been talking about it nearly as much. And I kind of just assumed that it had fallen off or something. But it, it sounds like it hasn't. It's just not the new hotness anymore. Yeah. It, it comes with, you know, TV shows these days, like you always hear a lot about, you either hear c- consistently um, 
near the end of a show like uh, Shit's Creek and Kim's Convenience that you know people pick up on once there's a bit of a back catalog. Handmaid's Tale, I feel, did really well right off the bat because, as you you said, it's it's kind of it is that uh, that drama, that art sort of television show where they are putting everything they can into it to tell this 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 story, and um, yeah, I think the quality is still there, but it's diminishing returns. Like you know, people have short attention spans. The internet as a whole has a has a short attention span, and they move they move on to the next you know, big thing. And, um, I think Handmaid's Tale is still, still a big deal. It's, it's still great television. The year off probably hasn't assisted in keeping it, you know, um, front of mind for folks because you're right. Like I think the first three seasons saw a lot of attention. And I think, uh, now that we're, you know, year two of the pandemic, like the last of us, uh, part two last year, still did really well, still reviewed really well, but it's just a lot of people moved on to it on from it very quickly because who wants to sit here and talk about, you know, um, a virus that wipes nearly wipes out the human race <laughs> for an entire, you know, summer during the pandemic, you know, uh, same thing with Handmaid's Tale, like, do we really want to, you know, go into in depth detail about everything going on in the show when it is just it can be hard to watch at times and to see, these characters struggle against just this really terrible uh, group of people. Uh, and it's just, I can, I get that. So it's one of those things where I'm doing my service to say the show is back. It's really great. If you've caught up through season three uh, with the way that season ended to see how the season picks up from that moment is really well done. And yeah, there are moments where you feel like, you know, the air being let out of the balloon of, of hope, for sure, that happens. But I think, like, it's like a roller coaster. There, it's, there are moments where uh, hope it feels like it's gone, and then it, it comes right back. And I, I think they've, they're telling a really neat story. And where it's leapt off here, uh, season, season four, episode five, it, they all end on these, like, cliffhangers you know so they've really nailed that week-to-week show similar to um more so wandavision than falcon the winter soldier but i think the mandalorian did this really well too in that they had those week-to-week moments where at you know you it told a complete story but then left that that edge at the end to be like oh man i can't wait to see where they go with the next episode um so by that logic it's probably a really good one to binge too so that you don't have to (laughs) wait a week um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think if you're watching it and you didn't know it was back because yes, I, I didn't know it was back until it kind of just popped up on, uh, on Crave. That's where I've been watching it. So, uh, here in Canada, I think it's Hulu in the States. So if you have a Hulu s- subscription in the States, you've already got access to this and, uh, Crave in Canada here is where you can check it out. So yeah, it's back and certainly worth catching up on. Um, the only other update I have, and we can make this a short one because I really haven't had a lot of time with it, is I ended up buying an Xbox Series X because I might be crazy or I might just be like really into console gaming. I don't think you're crazy. It's just funny because like since we've been doing this show, 
which isn't like I guess it's been a few years, but I definitely remember you announcing, hey, "I got an Xbox One X," you know, like that was the <laughs> the big, uh, and I got a PS4 Pro. Like I I remember like pretty much whenever you would buy these, it'd be be big announcements. So that said, like it it's the beginning of a generation. You should if you can get a next gen console, you know that you're going to be into the games. And for me, it's like like from the out of the gate bar a couple of ps5 exclusives i know people love their controller and people are investing in the future of what the ps5 could potentially be but the xbox series x you would be getting all that crazy backwards compatibility with all your previous xbox collections and you get game pass like my buddy Bo just got an xbox series s and he's loving it just like with game pass just oh download play all these games that he's missed in particular so like uh, yeah, I I would say just enjoy it. For you, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I appreciate. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those things where um, I, I I did get the PlayStation Five solely because so both these consoles have very good backwards compatibility with at least. Wait, you have a PS Five? I forgot that. Yeah, we do. See, this is why I said I think I'm crazy. And... Oh. Oh, yes. Oh, so let me just back up a bit. You're really crazy. Like, okay. what the hell is wrong with you? You need both of them? Give me one of them. I'll take the Xbox. <laughs> Here, Here's the thing. Um, And that was the reaction I was expecting. So really good. I'm glad we got both. That was that was like some Handmaid's Tale up, down, uh, oh, there's hope, and then there's not uh, sort of moments. And it's here. This is what happens. So both consoles, both next, uh, both I guess current generation consoles are very backwards compatible with at least their previous generation, which is what I care about. Um, I always keep my old consoles. I put them in a box and I put them downstairs, never to be seen again, unless like some crazy thing happens. Like oh, I really want to play Rock Band, um, and that's all. And for the previous generation, that was the case. Uh, the 360 stayed in, in the closet and the PS3 never saw the light of day again. And I thought, okay, with backwards compatibility, I can sell these things. Uh, and as you mentioned, I have the half-step consoles, so they have a little more value than their launch, um, you know, uh, their launch versions. So I ended up, you know, was skeptical, but I ended up selling the PS4 Pro for almost $300. And I thought, okay, that was, that was relatively easy. And then uh, I said to Ashley, he's like, I think, you know, I'm subscribed on Game Pass through like a gold deal for the next two years, next three years. So I'm set there. And I do have the Xbox One X, but I thought, you know what? I kind of want to be able to play. I have this huge back catalog of games. I kind of want to be able to play them on the best console. And I want to be able to play uh, Halo Infinite when it comes out on the best console. And really, these days, I've been moving away from the PC. I appreciate my PC. I like having, you know, a somewhat competent PC to be able to play, uh, you know, you know, random multiplayer games with my friends. But I don't need a new graphics card to do that stuff. I need a new graphics card to play, you know, the cyberpunks of the world and all the games that are going to be coming out going forward that are now meeting the specs of the PS5 and Xbox Series X. I don't really have an interest in, I mean, if, if somehow like a brand new computer an opportunity sort of presents itself, I'll look at it, but like, I'm not, I'm not itching to upgrade the computer and get a new graphics card. It's not really on my radar for the near future, but I really love console gaming. So yes, it is weird to have both right now. I think this is the soonest I've ever sort of had that set up. Um, but I am going to be selling the Xbox one X, uh, and, probably get a good chunk of change for that which really helps 
and I've already played a couple games. I, I think the Xbox Series X really delivers from a usability standpoint. And there's, yeah, right now, not a lot of games on both consoles. But for me, I've always been a console gamer and I like to have, I've always liked to have options in terms of, of platforms. So I love the PlayStation for the reason I say, the same reason I love my Nintendo Switch is that it has all these great first party exclusives that I can play there. And my Series X is basically going to be my Game Pass machine. And it, and so far, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, yeah. I have a, I see, this is the thing that I have a struggle with. And I have a question because you're, you're a tech guy. You're good at tech stuff, setting up tech. Um, and I was, uh, I was just thinking like, so Microsoft has essentially said, we don't care where you play our games. Like you can play them on, we're going to release every game day and date on PC. You know, we're going to have them on console and all of this. And, and then your Steam library, you know, contains a bunch of games. And I'm always, like, a struggle where I'm like, oh, should I cross-buy this game? I, not cross-buy. Cross-buy is when you get them in both versions. But, like, should I buy this game a second time on Switch so that I can play it on TV with Gwen or whatever? Like, it's uh, – I struggle with that. It's like, oh, you know, Dragon Quest whatever 11S is on Game Pass and we'd like to play it. But – you know, it's, it's, I have PC game pass and I have a PC. We're not going to sit at the PC. We're going to play it on TV. So I got to buy it on the switch. It just seems to me that like, like, yeah, you can buy an Xbox series. Uh, you could buy an Xbox, new Xbox, whatever console, but like you're a pretty technologically, you know, savvy dude. Could you not just have a monster computer and then like, have like little things in each room that like you can stream to and with controllers instead of having a whole other console like is there not is is there not a way to to, to make everything run off a, a major hub and then have it in every room or do you have to are we still in the era where you need like eight consoles for eight you know eight rooms yeah anyway i, I i'm not sure what i'm asking maybe you can clear clear up but with your answer, <laughs> I, think, I think I understand what you're asking. Like you're you're asking if uh, absolutely. Like I'm by no means you know besmirching the PC platform. I love the PC, but I've always been a console gamer. And every time I go to play PC games, sometimes it works great. Sometimes it, it like it's it, it. Sometimes it's just set up to work just so. But you know you're dealing with Windows. You're dealing with Windows updates. Like something updates and it screws something up. And yeah, you have that on console too. But like, I just prefer the install the game, let me play it, it's good to go. And, you know, I was trying to play, uh, I have a PC in the living room, it's an older PC, um, probably 15 at this point. And, but I, I usually run um, like smaller indie games on it and play them with the kids on the, on the TV. And I have Paw Patrol, the Paw Patrol game, and, you know, Caden and I are playing it. It took me, and it was probably more the game's fault. But like still, it took me a while to get it all set up and running. Like the controller wasn't syncing and then it wasn't responding. And it's just like, man, again, I love PC gaming. And I, I know every time I complain about it, it makes me sound like old man Murph. But at the end of the day, yeah, you could buy a monster PC. And yes, if you have a monster PC, by no means should you go out and buy an Xbox Series X. You could buy an Xbox Series S just to have like a 1440p machine in one of your living rooms. 
Um, <laughs> I only have one living room in case anyone's wondering by that statement. Um, if you live in a mansion, you could buy a bunch of Xbox Series S's, one for every room. Um, but in terms of streaming, like the technology is there. It's funny you bring that up because I, I got access to the Xbox cloud gaming beta. Streaming is is close, but by no means is it going to replace the one-to-one function of picking up that PC or that console and moving it to another room. You know, there's all, you're always losing something by streaming. Um, you may get really close, but you're never at this stage, you're not able to replace one-to-one having a piece of physical hardware that runs the game. Um, so yeah, like you could buy a monster PC and by all means, I think if, if you want to, that is something you should do. If you're into building PCs, like I know there's a whole culture around that and people really love it, which is great. And it's just, it's just not my jam. Like we talk about having, you know, free time. Troubleshooting PCs has been, has never been fun. <laughs> it's never been my jam. Um, True. That is a good point. It, 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 and it is, it is one of those things where it's like, cause I see often the games, like when, when you start running Game Pass on PC and you're running these games, it just being a console. Like, I've got my controller, I'm playing my games, there's not really a thing. But the reality is that PCs are always, like, there's always little annoying things. Like, I had um, this issue with, uh, so EA Play is part of Game Pass or something. But, of <laughs> course, the accounts didn't line up and then none of my game, like, I couldn't I couldn't play any of the EA games and I had to contact EA support. And I, it was just really annoying. So, like, no, I, I and I, th- not to say that wouldn't necessarily have happened on on console, but it's it's just it's true. I have had my share of uh, of PC snafus. So, no, I, I get it. Uh, just as a pivot back to the uh, the Xbox Series X it's, itself, like in terms of you know photos and images and everything I've seen of it, it looks gigantuan for a console. But I have a feeling it's not as big as I actually think it is in my mind. Um, would you say it's like like how how does it compare to a desktop PC, for instance? It's it's smaller than your traditional uh, desktop PC, but it is very much structured like a desktop PC. It is a yeah. black rectangle box. and uh, it's a black box. Yeah, and but it is like more of a tower sort of like PC gaming. And I remember when I set up the PlayStation 5, the first thing Ashley said when she came into the room was like, what is that? And why is it so big and looks so ugly? Yes, yeah. the PlayStation 5 is big. The Xbox Series X is also big. She she had a similar reaction when I set up the Xbox Series X. Like, what is that big giant black box? And uh, yeah, it, it is a big uh, system. It's more in line with a with like a PC tower, but it's at least it fits into the, to the normal um, type of entertainment boxes you're going to be expecting from a console. Like the PS five is truly unique in its design, but the Xbox series X really is just a PC. So, you know, this is what you should do. What you need to do, and this is like forward thinking, but you need to set up a camera (laughs) in your living room. Whenever you buy a new console, and uh, record Ashley's reaction when she comes in and sees it, and then put together a 40-second clip show, put it on TikTok. Sure. That's where the kids go. And uh, people be like, you know, wife reacts to uh, husband's Giant console. Video. 
video game be like, oh, what is that? Oh, what is that? Oh, what is that? Oh, what is that? You know, and it'll just be a, and then one day there'll be a super sleek and sexy console and she'll be like, oh, what is that? Maybe. I, I don't, yeah, I, I highly doubt that'll happen. Um, and, and the other thing too is you look at the cost of, you know, uh, these systems, like, I totally, totally understand like the PC is something that is so versatile. You can do so much with it and you can push games further than you can with consoles. But there's something about an Xbox Series X costing less than the graphics card that people are trying to buy. That that has always been a thing for sure. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Right now, like in particular in, in getting, you know, the Xbox Series X uh, specifically, yeah, the, those 3,000 uh, level graphics cards are just like, yeah, very, very difficult to find. It is a, at the beginning of a console generation, like this is the time where your console is going to look the, the sweetest, right? Like it's going to look nice. Oh, yeah. Um, and I honestly think that them coming out the gate with the two versions of the xbox may i while there may be a mid-step generational uh mid-step like there was last time i have a feeling that it'll be much more about reducing the size of the xbox series x than it will be about launching another version you know like xbox series x pro or whatever like i don't square i yeah oh man (laughs) they're just they're just losing control so what's the first game you played on it uh well that's the funny thing about game pass and the way the xbox series x works is uh there's this feature called quick resume so i've basically been bouncing between like uh gears so i have gears 5 hive busters which is a a new campaign expansion they put on that i never played and i i just booted up forza horizon 4 to kind of see how that played out uh with the series x so again, those are some Xboxy Xbox games. Exactly, and and very much Xbox One versions running on the Xbox Series X hardware. Uh, but right now, that's sort of what's across the board. I think the first true next generation game uh, came out on PS5, which was Returnal, and then you have Ratchet and Clank coming in the summer. Uh, I've not played Returnal, but I'm looking forward to Ratchet and Clank. So, well, I mean, there was like Demon Souls and stuff like that. True, yeah, Demon Souls was exclusive for sure. Uh, I guess just from my personal taste, <laughs> I'm terrible at those yeah. games. <laughs> yeah, uh, have you played Returnal? No, I haven't. I uh, once I found out there's no autosave, um, yeah. and the runs take about two hours, I'm like, I'm gonna wait till they patch that in because, like, I don't have two hours to lose. I, so. you know, people people keep complaining about that, but like the only way I see that being an issue in, in, in this is not a small thing is if you have another game that you want to play, but like, if you're just on the same system, but if you're playing that game, like I constantly put my PS, my switch and my PS4 in sleep mode and, and I resume them and it just jumps you right back in. So like, I don't see really what the issue is uh, other than if I wanted to, and like you have like a console in every room now, so like that's not even a problem you can go to the other room and play your xbox series x and go back to returnal returnal is the only game that has come out on the next generation of consoles where i have the fomo where i feel like i want to i want to play this game that uh i i'm a sucker for roguelikes i realize mm-hmm. um and, and uh, a tr- first triple a roguelike it, it appeals to me quite a bit uh, and you know 
uh, it's just it's just unfortunate again trapped behind a console that nobody can get even if they want unless you're ryan murphy obviously um it was not but, easy uh, i'll say that no no that's right but he's bored of it already folks he's got <laughs> no. the new sexy now and uh, again i feel i feel like as soon as i well as soon as i knew i was gonna buy the series x and as soon as i had bought it instantly i was like oh gosh what have i done and when it comes right uh, down to is I love playing video games and I love playing console games and I love that I have. Yeah, I know you've already, you've already, you've already made your point. Well. I've done the and, tour. And people, people are on your on your side, Ryan. So I am glad, and I will be interested in hearing your adventures on the uh, Xbox Series X. And while I do regale folks with my many huge purchases, including the Oculus. Uh, quest in the um, giant monitor. sweet yeah. monitor uh yeah i was getting to the monitor which i'm looking at right now it's super sweet but <laughs> uh, i i recognize like i am now entering the underpower like you know my my pc is struggling to keep up with the monitor like it's like a 970 graphics card i've got a ps4 pro which is which is all right whatever and i've got the switch right like the, so i realize now i i am like underpowered like your pc which you think is a piece of garbage that you wouldn't touch, like is better than, than all of my stuff. And then you've got two consoles that are better than that. And so I now have jealousy. So I am going to have to start shopping, Ryan. And next time we do the show, I can say, you know what, Ryan, I now own all of these things. Do I it. don't know how I will find them. But uh, yeah, the one I can't believe that I'm tempted by the Xbox Series X so much, but they've really done a good job uh, uh, with the Game Pass. Uh, it's it, it's hard to, um, you know, like I know that I'll eventually end up with a PS5 due to the exclusives, but, um, you know, in the right now, in the regular, like I, I could see that the Xbox becoming my my jam, you know, like so I, I don't know. We'll have to see. It's definitely going to be the easier one to find, I think. Yeah, I uh, the the core thing right now when it comes to buying a next gen console is the the stock appearance is pretty much you can kind of guesstimate when it's going to happen, and there are services out there um, that you can use to kind of get notifications when they go live. Really, the question is how long does that stock last, and that that is where the Xbox Series X, in my mind, has an advantage. Like if you want one and it goes into stock, and you're pretty quick on it, you're going to get one. PlayStation 5 is having an issue with with stock, but there's higher demand. So, like, it really depends on who you favor. Do you favor the people who want to actually buy one? Then, yeah, the Series X is probably more in your favor. If you favor, you know, Sony's bottom line, then, yeah, you're more in the camp of the PlayStation 5 being hard to buy. Personally, I think they're both great consoles. You can, you can, you can be fine with either one, but yeah, if you're looking for a great Game Pass machine, like that's the thing. Game Pass is just, it's changed, it's changed the way I look at at uh, at Xbox hardware. It's just, it's I haven't, it's unfortunate, but I haven't purchased an Xbox game in a very long time. Um, you know, it, it usually when I'm buying third party titles, I'm getting them for the PlayStation, and then everything else is Game Pass. But a lot more third-party titles are coming to Game Pass. I think that Dark Alliance game we talked about last month, that's coming to day-and-date Game Pass. So you have that to look forward to. Uh, yeah, I know. That would be awesome. Hmm. Uh, I there, Wait, there's one thing I was going to say about before we moved out of the Game Pass land 
in the Xbox land. Uh, oh, no, it was the dungeons. There's one other dungeon thing I had. You said something. I've lost it. Oh, did you Ryan, buy a monitor it. or did you buy a, you buy a PlayStation? No. Oh, yes. Now I remember. I oh, remember. It so it's foreshadowing. Uh, it's, uh, I think, so I never finished Horizon Zero Dawn. And I lost the disc. I can't find it in my house. Like it's somewhere. But uh, but I lost I lost the disc. And um, I finished Breath of the Wild with with Gwen a, a few weeks back. So good, such a great game. Ever since I've been bouncing off games left and right. Like I've been trying to get a, a good single player game going, and I just nothing is clicking. I played Yakuza. I, I played it some more after we recorded the show last time. It's not for me. I'm done. I think. Uh, I tried Star Wars Squadrons. I tried it a bit in VR. I was like, oh man, this is this is sweet, uh, but the problem is that my computer sucks too bad. So uh, it's like laggy and therefore it makes me feel ill. Yes, I could play it on my sweet computer, but I would really like to play it in VR. So, you know, I put it aside. I kept, I keep trying things on game pass. I try a little bit. I put it aside, right? Like there's not something that is really put it, 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 you know, it's teeth into me. And I think I would like a good meaty single player adventure. Again, back to rise and zero dawn, never really finished it. Sony has this thing going on called like uh, play now or whatever, play something where you can just download it. I think it's only for a couple more days gets added to your account digitally and, and you'll have it. So I think I'm going to install horizon zero dawn. And the next time we do the show, I'll probably have some thoughts on that foreshadowing. That's a great game. Definitely play it. Uh, but let's move into the diapers, as uh, we always done. We've we've talked a lot about dungeons, and we've got some diapers to chat about. And um, I want to start things off with. Uh, I'm I'm curious. I want to get your take on this. Like, I know a lot of people have schedules with their with their kids, and um, you know, right now school is is less of a well. We got to get them ready and out the door. However, I know the whole school routine really helps shape that morning routine but right now um both ashley and i and ashley more so because she is she's getting up with with isabel as well the kids in the morning our two oldest kate and abigail are like getting up earlier and earlier every day they're exhausted by the time bedtime comes around so like we can't necessarily like push their bedtime and that's never worked to try to get them to sleep in um that almost does the opposite they for some reason wake up earlier when you keep them up later uh, I, I, I honestly think they're doing it <laughs> to just give us a hard time, but they've been getting up at like five 30 and they're super loud and <laughs> obnoxious about it, which sucks because usually around five 30, Ashley has just gotten Isabel back down because she'll usually wake up at four and then she's able to get Isabel back down around five, five 30. So when the ki- other kids are waking up and making a bunch of noise, so we're really struggling with that. Like we've tried uh, saying like, well, we're not going to have TV time if you guys can't try to go back to sleep or, or at least be quiet in your room. I honestly think Caden and Abigail are just feeding off of each other. Like it's usually they're quiet and then they just slowly get louder and louder as they're kind of like just feeding off of each other and, and then their energy. Um, there's no easy way for us to give them their own room. I'm at the point where I think... Uh, I think what I've come they seem to be quiet when they when they're listening to we talked about the stories podcast a while ago. I thought about rigging like a like a like a bluetooth speaker in their room that I could just bluetooth podcast to 
at not a not an ungodly early hour because i know they'll start taking advantage of oh we'll make noise and then daddy will play the stories podcast but like six o'clock to give a little bit of extra time in the morning so so they're not waking up you know isabel again like i'm at the point where i'm thinking i need to you know bluetooth a podcast in there to just try to keep them quiet for a little longer um i like i like how your tech guys first solution is to do something tech related but still has to buy a console for every room that's a call back to earlier uh but uh but yeah no I, ryan that's a tricky spot like you've got kids with d- different sleeping patterns and like it it it, it sucks especially isabel still so so young and i get it that you know you've got them sharing a room and that's going to cause distractions as well um uh, do you do you think like like realistically, when they're up at like what is it six? You said like five thirty has been the the late lately for Caden and Abigail. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if they're up at five thirty, could they even go back to sleep? Like, because I, I know, know my do- I know my daughter cannot. Like Gwen, if she is up, it's she's up. Like me saying, "Hey, go back to sleep." That would. She be like maybe she could lie in her bed quietly or be in her room quietly, but she's not going to fall back to sleep. Like that's just not going to happen. So if you know that's not going to happen, then that's a battle that you you're never going to win. So like you you're never going to be like go back to sleep, and they're like okay, I'm going to go back to sleep now. <laughs> um, that like like they're just going to lie in their bed for a second until you go away, and then they're going to go back to whatever the hell they were doing. So in that sort of situation, what you're thinking about in terms of setting up something seems like the more reasonable approach. You've got to give them something and and say like, okay, guys, you know, you need to be quiet. You need to stay in here until like we use a grow clock for Clara. She's really big on it, really listens to it, pays attention very well. And she does make – noise uh it, but and we do have some problems with it like for instance she'll she wears a diaper to bed and she'll poop in her diaper instead of going to the potty because she thinks she can't leave her room even though we've told her multiple times she can um to to go use the potty but uh, she stays in her room and we brought up like she has a dollhouse with like these playmobile style figurines and she'll just play with the dollhouse and read the books in her room by herself until the light changes color and she knows she's able to get up. Now she's by herself in a room, so no one's egging her on. There's no fights. There's no whatever. And that's something that you'd have to deal with. But like, yeah, be it the podcast or something else. If you know that they're not going to fall back asleep and you know that they need to stay in bed uh, in their room longer and that it's not okay to be up this early. Well, you know, like you've got to make it first off boring enough so that they, they see the value in staying in, in the room and staying asleep longer if they can. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to, you got to have something that's going to keep them interested and confined in the room. So I, 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 I can't tell you what that is. Maybe it's your Bluetooth situation of a stories podcast. Maybe it's, they each have like an independent play thing that they, they can use in the morning, but yeah, man, I, I don't envy your situation. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I, I think we're like, I'm not a monster. You know, I, I'm not, I, I don't, if they would, if like, would I like them to go back to sleep? Absolutely. Do they need to go back to sleep? Yeah. Sometimes they each have their, their days and it's in direct correlation to what, how early they woke up and how bad, a, how rough a wake up they had. And it's usually the person who has the roughest day is whoever was woken up. And you can pretty much tell who, who was woken up by whom 
based on their behavior during the day. But I think that, you know, we've tried putting, okay, here's some toys that you can get out as soon as you wake up. Because I, I know once they're up, they're up, they're kids, they're overactive imaginations. Um, you know, I think like, we have a couple options. The option that I thought of is like, well, they they really like specific episodes of the stories podcast we talked about you know being hit and miss i thought of even having like a playlist you know on you know a separate podcast app so it doesn't mess with my collection is just kind of have like four or five episodes that they really enjoy and they found really engaging and that fit their age group and their interests and just pick one of those to play i think having like a small amount of time because in the morning i'm getting up in the morning to get ready for work Um, and I'm sort of getting ready downstairs. I'm getting breakfast ready for everybody. I'm taking care of that sort of morning routine as well. And, uh, sometimes, you know, it's, it's one thing to have them sort of doing their own thing in their room. But, you know, once I go downstairs, it's, it's all over, but 530 is still way too early. It also throws off our days as well. Um, I, I don't want to go to the point where it's like, okay, you can have your tablets or your TV. Like, I don't really want, I don't want screen time in the morning. And that's also, you know, it's fine if it works for other people, but like, I'm trying to avoid that. Um, but toys always cause an issue. I I think the core thing is that is them sharing a room. And we've even got to the point where it's like, which one of them will sleep downstairs to give the other one a break for even a day. You know, because I real I feel like it also could just be we got to break out of this cycle and just separate them for one or two days and see if that helps sort of get their routines back back in place. Because it was never this early. It was usually like between six fifteen and six forty five that they'd wake up, and I'm fine with that. Like I can get up at I'm usually up around that time anyways for work to get ready because I like to I like to putter when I get ready in the morning. Um, So like, that's the current struggle we're dealing with. I kind of like the idea of the podcast because I can control the volume. I can control what they're listening to. I know what they're listening to. Um, If we end up going with like a, like a, like an Amazon unit, I'll probably, I'll change the wake word and lock it all the way down so that they, like, it's just a smart speaker. So my phone isn't being taken over. I don't know, like. I want to try something. I want to try something. You know, the grow clock does not work. Um, We ended up having to put it up on a high shelf because they just change it. They figured out how to change. Oh, it's orange. We can go downstairs now. And I'm like, you, (laughs) you buggers. Like they are too smart for their own good. And that's why if I were to put an, you know, an Amazon unit in there, like as I said to Ashley, we can't put one in there because they know how to talk to it. And I'm not saying the name, you know, because I I don't want to say it because then it'll, it'll make everyone's units go off. But like they, they would figure that out too. Right. So I'm just trying to outsmart them so I can get like maybe the next week of better sleep, you know, and then I'll have to figure it out all over again. And that's why I have this podcast. But I, I, yeah, like books, they're not reading yet, but they do like the stories. Like we've been, you know, even listening to, I guess the stories podcast has like a, like a, like a preteens, like D and D campaign that they run. And we've been listening to it. Um, and I'm, it's kind of hard to follow and I asked Caden about it and he's like oh it's it's kind of boring but it's kind of interesting and I'm like yeah I feel the same way buddy we'll, we'll figure that we'll, I'm I'm thinking we're gonna try like a combination of maybe trying to separate them for a couple nights to see if that helps with the wake-up routine 
I'll try the podcast, see how that goes. Because as you said, they're awake. It's not like me playing the podcast is going to stop them from going back to sleep because they won't. <laughs> they're kids. Um, and it's and it's light out at 530, right? Like it's light enough where they're like, oh, it's morning, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, so. I I get it. I feel I feel your pain. I would say if listeners have some good ideas for yeah. Ryan, because I I very doubtful of your podcast idea. I'll be honest. <laughs> you could give it a shot, but like whatever. Okay. I don't think. Why it's do you work. think it won't work? Because I need to know. Because I haven't really f- had the time to poke holes in the land yet. Outside of like, how am I going to rig this? You know, echo in uh, in my kids' room. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to – first off, there's a te- – I won't even get into the tech stuff because I don't understand how you're going to make it work. But secondly, it's like you're playing like an audio podcast just loud enough for the kids in that room but not to disturb Isabel who's <laughs> just gone back to sleep and not that won't keep you and Ashley from getting a couple of extra minutes of shut eye as well. Yeah. Like I mean – uh, I just and then and then you're assuming that the content of said podcast will be of amenable to both of the children and they won't just want their favorite episode over and over <laughs> again or that they'll agree on what their favorite episode is and that requires curation which you would have to do which means that you can't be sleeping i mean there's just there's a there's a bunch of stuff there i'm sure you'll try to try try and figure it out maybe it'll all work but i just think that if the listeners have some good ideas then they should bring them to bear now let's talk about more fun things okay so (laughs) uh, stardew valley i mentioned that game last week uh last week last episode that game is super awesome. Um, incidentally, if you have not read Jason Schreier's book, uh, like I, I'm just actually awaiting the delivery of his second book, but his first book is called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. It's about the development of a series of games. One chapter is devoted to Stardew Valley. It's a great chapter. This game was made by one guy. He was supported by his girlfriend when he just dedicated himself to making this game and she did everything it's very interesting and and and, uh somewhat romantic and and uh anyway um it's a it's a farming sim uh in the mold of the harvest moon games and i when i introduced it to gwen a couple of weeks ago i thought to myself this might be too much for her first off it's 16-bit graphics so i mean like i'm nostalgic for them but kids i don't know we played late legend of zelda link to the past one time she seemed to be into that but she's played a lot since we just finished breath of the wild i wasn't sure about that next off just it's a pc game first and foremost it was ported to console so the control mechanisms seem like you know fairly pc-ish and then also like the the while it's like it starts simple enough it you know it ramps up right quick with complex systems and such. So, but the other part of my brain was like, she really loved Animal Crossing. Maybe this is like Animal Crossing Plus. And oh man, has it been ever that she is in love with Stardew Valley. And I am just impressed at how well she's able to manage things. Not only that, Stardew Valley has a co-op, uh, gameplay mechanic that splits the screen and i have a giant tv and when it is split the way that it it's almost like two tvs is perfect and um of all people my wife jess is the one that uh, gwen wants helping her on her farm 
And so they're working together on the farm. I'm thrown off to the side. I have no involvement. This is the first time my wife and my daughter are playing a game together. And I must say, I really like, it warms my heart when I see it. And But now it's gotten to the point where their farm, because I have a, a game going too. I'm not playing it that much, but their farm is ridiculous. And like they're bringing in thousands of dollars. They're making all these artisan craft products. They're they're just like, they're doing they're doing everything. It's crazy. And, and they're doing it in like the 16 bit graphics. And like the, the Gwen has, it tells you how much she's already put like 55 hours into Stardew Valley wow. and, with, with, with Jess mostly. Um, and, uh, and it's, yeah, it's just crazy. And they're having a great time. So that's a game that I wouldn't necessarily have recommended or thought to recommend. There is talking and there are NPC characters and all of that, but it's similar in many ways to animal crossing there is a little depending on the characters you talk to some of them have deeper stories or whatever but we just talked to the dorky dentist or or doctor and uh, yeah the game is really good it's so impressive that it's made by one person uh like constantly and he kept adding to it after it was released and so the version that's out now has just just a wealth of content you don't have to do everything like you can focus on different things each day or focus on like your farm's going to be an animal farm or a crops farm or it's gonna or you're gonna go into the dungeons and fight monsters like jesse and Gwen never do that, right? Like they they would they don't do fishing. The fishing mini game is quite challenging, and it's not fishing isn't really big money. So they've chosen their lane, and it's it's just awesome to watch them play it. It's really really a great game, and it plays unlike Animal Crossing that is just horrific to play multiplayer locally because one person is the leader, and that person Gwen drags the rest of us around the screen, and we just get <laughs> popped up, and it's just friggin' torture. Animal Crossing just, boom, splits the screen. Uh, Stardew Valley splits the screen. Not only that, what you do on your farm, you have to go to the shop. Uh, there's a per- there's different shops, and you go to one that builds buildings, and you say, I need to build a cabin on my farm. And when you build a cabin on the – so you can either start a co-op game together. You can start a farm together. Um uh, or you can just build a cabin on your existing farm and it's very inexpensive and then somebody can just jump in and they live in that cabin and it's great uh, and they they get up as soon as you have a farm hand like it is so funny because Gwen is like I'm just gonna go into town and check things out mommy can you milk the cows get the food water the water the crops like Jesse is totally her farm hand nice. and it is uh it is hilarious. Uh, so yeah, no, really great. I have nothing to do with it. Like, like I'm now spending more time with Clara and going out, you know, we're watching shows or doing dance parties or whatever. I'm not playing the Stardew Valley. They are, it's like a Jess and, and Gwen thing. And it is, but it's super awesome. And it's not something that I would have considered as a, as a game. Gwen is six and yeah, she can't completely read yet or whatever. She's getting there. But, uh, Stardew Valley is clearly not too old for her. And so those of you out there who have six-year-olds may be worth uh, considering. It's a pretty chill game. I really think it's something that I want to I want to get Caden and Abby, for that matter, you know, more used to playing games because I've I've tried to push them towards the, you know, the the uh, Super Mario Brothers 3D world that came out. Like, and Caden was somewhat grasping it, but still struggling 
um, to jump and, and move at the same time. So I think I have to kind of reset things. And, and that's where we've been playing. We've been going back to the Paw Patrol game I had picked up. Um, and I was kind of reminded by the fact that I think there was a new one and it went on sale. And I thought, oh, maybe, maybe well, let's try to get through this one first. And I think it's been really helpful for him to kind of learn his platforming because it is just side scrolling. And he says, oh, I like it because there's no enemies and I can kind of just move through at my own pace. So that's been really good for both him and Abigail to, you know, get that learning curve set up. Um, but yeah, Stardew Valley sounds really cool. And I, I want to get to that point with the kids where we're able to play these more advanced games, but I've, I've been struggling to move them past sort of the, the easier stuff. And yeah, like, I think we'll get there. Like Caden's still, you know, he's, he's five and, and Abby's three, but, uh, Abby's getting there too. Like, um, I think Abby struggles with, I've been struggling to find like a controller that, that really works for them. Um, Caden does okay with the Xbox controller, uh, but uh, I tried to buy these like uh, 8-bit dough controllers, which sort of mimic the Super NES style. Yeah, I have one. Yeah. Yeah, but the but the joy the control sticks are in are are recessed into the controller. They're they're further in. So like Caden's fine. He can reach it with his th- with his thumbs. It's not the greatest, but it's still he can reach it. But Abby, she just it it does not work because she, her thumbs aren't long enough yet. So. I've been struggling with that too, and that's why I bought the 8-bit dough controller because, like, well, they're small and they're Bluetooth, so it'll sync with anything. Um, but what about yeah. the just what about the Switch controller, like the ones on the side of the like one of the Joy Cons? That's about as small as it gets. I think like, they are small, but the thing I struggle with the Joy Cons is that the um, the irregular layout, right? Um, but you know, because I really, that's why I really like the Xbox controller or even the PlayStation 5 controller as well, because there are symbols that I, that I can say like, oh, well, you know, hit the X button or hit the A button or hit the square button. You know, that really helps. What about the Switch Pro controller then? Yeah, the Switch Pro controller works too. That's what Gwen uses and she chooses it over the 8-bit, like the SNES controller that we have like that's what jesse has to use even though it's much smaller (laughs) she wants she wants the pro controller all the time that's her favorite and honestly like uh, yeah i thought it was going to be too big for her hands it looks enormous in her hands but she seems to have no problem with it yeah i think that i think for me it's just like i need to get past the fact that i bought these controllers like i use them to play you know games on the ipad and stuff like it works really well with ios to sync sync those controllers to those platforms so it's not like they're going to waste um but yeah like i think the pro controller for the switch and the xbox uh controller works really well and uh yeah i'll have to i'll have to check that one out because i am looking for other games i do have um lego super lego avengers or something or marvel lego that uh caden wanted to check out uh and i have a friend of mine who had played through it with his daughter and they really loved it and it was a good learning experience too. Like I think he said, it was very frustrating at the start as we were, she was sort of getting used to it. But once she got used to it, it was like a blast to play. And I, and I think that's what I'm looking for. We're just trying to break through that that sort of learning curve. And um, yeah, like we're just I'm just trying to find the time. And I think we're just I want to play more games with the kids. And I, and I'm getting sick of Paw Patrol, so I'm like, let's move over to 
Something yeah, else. Yeah, no, uh, it, it depends on the ages, right? Clara, does. she's three. She does not give a shit about video games. In fact, when we play them, she gets visibly annoyed because this is time <laughs> that she could be spending with Gwen. So, like, generally, like, now I'll do a dance party with her upstairs, and then we'll watch a show or something sure. while, Gwen, while Gwen is playing her one, like, she gets to play a couple of days. Each day in Stardew Valley is about 15 minutes. She gets to play a couple of days with, with Jess, and, and they'll do that. Uh, and so, yeah, no, it's it's really good. Uh, I know you I, you foreshadowed earlier, actually, that something that I never followed up on, which was the fact that I took today off and I went to um, I went to there's like this urban lake in Ottawa. It's called Mud Lake. It's like right in the middle of well, it's not in the middle of Ottawa. It's near the river, essentially, but it it, it is kind of like this wildlife area that that is in the city it's 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 very interesting and also kind of like undiscovered for me uh and um uh, i went during the winter we went skating on it and it was there was a flash freeze and it was really amazing skating but i had heard a lot about the wildlife there and all the birds and you know birds landing in your hands and all sorts of stuff so uh gwen's been tired i've been tired i decided to take a day off work this week Took Thursday. Uh, took today. We went to Mud Lake uh, and we went for a hike. Just her and I, and it was so great. It was a beautiful day. First off, but we just we just had like a really really fun uh, time, and it was um, it was just like changing up the routine and stuff, and and giving her an escape from the pandemic a bit. Things felt a little bit more normal, like we were doing an outing. I guess it's just remembering that there are those outings that are available. And, uh, and yeah, not to, not to go into it too much, but also like, um, her, uh, she's got friends on the street now, like these girls, uh, on the street and they're all wearing their masks mostly and hanging out. But like every afternoon she hangs out with them now. And it's, it's really fun. Like it's kind of, there's a lot of awkwardness with the parents because we're all kind of like, there's got to be kind of one parent with each kid because they're out on the street and it's a calm street, but it's like, there's still cars and stuff. And like when I trust, but like, it's how far am I going to let her out of my eyesight and stuff? So it's often we're like four parents and we're sort of talking. And I kind of feel bad because like I'm getting to like them and getting to know the neighbors and the parents, but I see them more than I see my friends and my family. And it feels kind of weird I guess that's the nature of neighbors to a certain extent, but it's like, uh, it, it is funny because like the girls are getting along swimmingly and at least like with these outdoor excursions and, and visits with friends, like Gwen is getting a little bit of normality. So uh, yeah, no, I was, I was uh, happy with that. I just wanted to follow up on it because you'd mentioned it earlier mm-hmm. and I never, I never followed up, but there is one last thing I want to talk about in the diaper section. Um, I was going to save it for next show, but I feel uh, that I want to get it out there early and I'll probably come back to it next show. So when I was a kid, my dad would read these books to me uh, and to both my brothers at the same time. There's some sh- photos of, uh, of him reading the books to us. There are these giant picture, like they, they, they were fairly large books, like large, like his forearm, like a really tall book. You open it big. It had lots of pictures, lots of text. It was a version of these books by uh, the English author Enid Blyton called uh, the the Faraway Tree, the Magic Faraway Tree. Uh, have you ever heard of these books? Probably not. No. Guess. Yeah, I mean they ring a they ring a little bit of a bell, but no, I don't. I'm not super familiar. All right. Well, here's here's what I thought was super interesting because 
I like I remember loving these books when I was a kid, right? And it but I also was worried that it was gonna be one of these situations where I remember something from when I'm a kid, but actually it's like doesn't hold up. And uh, or it's just like, you know, because Gwen's been we've been reading a lot of these chapter books to Gwen and she's and they're all like about girls going on these adventures. And it's like Ivy and Bean or Princess Pulverizer or all these like all these modern uh, modern takes. So Enid Blyton's Faraway Tree books were the Enchanted Wood. The first one was published in 1939. OK, so 1939. So I was like. This book probably is going to be racist. That was my that was my first thought, or sexist, or there's going to be some problems with it. And uh, there there have been re- revised versions of the books done to, I guess, to make some things, um, and I less bad. And I read over the, what the changes are, and they are ridiculous. Nothing seems to be bad. Like the changes are, there was a character called Dick, Richard Dick, you know, and they've yeah. changed his name to Rick in the modern versions because I guess saying Dick is controversial. I don't know, but like, there's nothing, there's nothing really controversial about it, about them. So anyway, we started, Jesse bought like now they're just like those big ornate books that I had as a kid. They're not in stock anymore. They don't exist anymore. Now it's just, they're, they're, they're written books or they're novels essentially. Um, and so Jess bought the entire collection, like the Enid Blyton faraway tree collection and the first book's called The Enchanted Wood. And I started reading, like, we read two chapters a night to Gwen. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know if this is going to hold up. Holy moly, does it hold up. Not only does it hold up, it is so good that I think to myself, like, this lady, Enid Blyton, got screwed. Because she's writing about all this magical stuff. Before I, I tried to look when The Hobbit was po- published and when C.S. Lewis's Narnia books were published. And I'm like, The Hobbit was published like the year before or something like this to The Enchanted Wood. But then The Lord of the Rings were only published in the 50s. So like, there's a big gap between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. But there's a lot of fantasy elements in these books. So let me just tell you what they are really quick. Is, is It's about these three kids. They live in a cottage like they used to live in the city. They get moved to the cottage. They're like, this sucks. We would like to be living in the city. But now we're in the cottage. There's a wood next to the forest next to the 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 the, um the cottage they go to it and there's like it's like it feels sort of magical there's something about it intangible they hear like whispering in the wind and all this and in the middle of it there's this giant tree and the tree is called the faraway tree and there's a bunch of magical characters that live on the tree including Moonface, the saucepan man a couple of other like uh silky the fairy um all these these crazy characters and then at the top of the tree it goes into the clouds and um there's a new magical land atop the clouds as the lands move like it's sort of like every few days a new land will move into place and there's like the land of birthdays upside down land uh snowman land like there's just a bunch of different lands and so you know, there's about like three chapter arcs where they go to the faraway tree, they meet the characters, something's up, they go up, they go up the tree. What land is it this time? Oh, there's hijinks, there's misadventures. There's two girls and a boy, like they're three siblings. And all the character, like 
it's definitely more about the plot than it is about the characters. But at the same time, it's just it like Jess said to me, she's like, these are this is good. And I'm like, yeah, it is good. And it feels kind of odd that all these magical fairies, wizards, all of this stuff is in this 1939 book by this female author that really gets little attention. I think it's more popular in the UK, but nobody knows it in Canada. I talk to people about it all the time. I'm like, do you know the faraway tree books? They're like, nope. Nobody knows it. And so I kind of feel like this lady got screwed a little bit because everybody knows C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien and those books, right? Um, and so anyway, if you have kids, especially like six, seven, eight, nine, like like the, this is a prime age for the faraway tree, the enchanted wood. I, I, I greatly recommend getting the whole collection. You know, you can read a couple of chapters at a time. It's a good book to, you know, to get to, to engage our imagination. Anyway, just we were really, really enjoying it. Gwen's been really enjoying it. And like, again, she's been like reading these books or having these like 2015 books read to her about crate that are read, like that are written really to a modern style. And then, and the, then these books are from 1939. How is it that they read so well and hold up so well? I don't even know, but really good. Hmm. Do you, is it like a, maybe a new edition that's been sort of uh, updated to, or do you yes. think Oh yeah, for sure. They're new editions. Um, but I'm not sure how different they are. I would have to go back and look. I don't think that they're really that like, definitely the language does not seem very modern in, in any stretch of the imagination. It's just like, I went on a Wikipedia a entry to look at kind of like what are changes in the new versions and there was nothing that I was like, oh, this is all like very basic or hardly anything, you know. Uh, I keep waiting for somebody to say, tell one of the girls like, know your role, it's in the kitchen, you know, or something like that. But it hasn't, ha it hasn't happened. Like they, they all work to support their parents on the farm, and then uh, they head out to the faraway tree for adventures. Hmm. Well, I mean, I'll have to check it out. It sounds like maybe, uh, maybe an audio on book I should get. I don't know. That's another option. Uh, I'll re I'll definitely report back on uh, all the diaper related stuff, and um, Crofton will have to fill us in on um, more uh, faraway tree type stuff. But um, we got a we got a quick email here that we'll read through, and then we will exit the show. Uh, we got an email from Derek, and he writes in about home learning and how it sucks. Hey guys, Derek here. Alberta is crap in the bed for COVID stuff. We talked about Ontario at the top of the show. Also not doing so hot. Uh, so the entire province went to a few weeks of mandatory virtual learning for all students starting this past Friday, May 7th. Both of my kids much prefer in-person learning and flourish there because of their teachers and their specific circumstances. 11-year-old son with autism, 9-year-old daughter with suspected ADHD. After two days of virtual learning, I'm ready to throw in the towel. My son hates every... Say, sorry, my son hates anything to do with language arts. My daughter just cannot stop moving. She has a very hard time staying in one spot and focusing. I've always been a huge fan of awesome teachers, and once again, this is a perfect example of why teachers do what they do. My son's teacher specifically just gets him so well. She's such an amazing person who is, who has been able to get him to do so many things that other teachers could not. I work from home, and I'm in a lot of meetings. My kids... Uh, coming over and randomly flopping onto you, uh, or sorry, kids coming over and randomly flopping onto you when you're in the meeting is always fun. 
Uh, on the plus side, my wife and I have our first vaccine doses and my son is booked in for May 29th, so we'll see. Thanks for an awesome podcast and hopefully you can make it through the deep pan, Derek. Um, obviously, Crofton, you're, obviously, you're experiencing the virtual learning. I've been doing it since, since September. And the first thing I'll say is uh, Caden also really struggled with sitting still and it's it's just it's a new it was I think it was a new thing for him and just asking him to sit here and listen to this stranger teach you things and it took him months to get used to it so I totally feel for parents who are having to you know put their kids in virtual learning then put their kids back into school and especially when they have that like your kids like Gwen who has that experience of what in-person learning is and then having to go back and forth that that has got to be jarring um so for Caden we we actually uh Ashley did this she went on Amazon and you can buy like kids fidget toys and by no means are we like trying to encourage him to you know uh, not pay attention in class but like honestly there's only so much that the teachers can do to hold the attention of all the kids and really especially in JK it's kind of they try to do group learning, but it's a lot of like one-on-one, like, okay, I'm going to talk to this person now, and I'm going to talk to this person now. And in the morning, it basically boiled down to Caden got his two minutes to speak, and then he had to sit there and, and kind of wait and listen. And I know that's part of learning, and that's part of being in school, and we've tried to teach him that, but at the end of the day, like, he basically turns to me and says, like, well, I already had my turn, and everyone else is talking about boring stuff, and I'm like, I, I hear you, buddy. Um, so he doesn't play with them anymore, but we had these little like fidget toys that were like a package. And one of them was like a, like a, like, you know, you have that, um, plastic bubble wrap. It was kind of like that, except it kind of, you, you'd pop the bubbles out and then you could flip it around and pop the bubbles out again. And, and it was just these little toys that kind of like kept him, you know, kept him busy, kept him in front of the tablet, kept him listening, kept him learning. And, uh, he doesn't use them anymore, but I think it really helped sort of in that moment and and kept him focused so like I, I get it like it's not um it's not easy for these kids to especially if they're bouncing back and forth I cannot even imagine uh what that's like I mean Crofton you're you're experiencing that like how are how are how is Gwen doing with virtual learning these past few weeks so I I just want to uh thank uh, uh Derek first of all for the email and give him uh, kudos for for managing what sounds like a tough tough situation like i don't i i don't have children with special needs like like he does and i mean i can only imagine how challenging that is um also i don't have like the experience that you guys are sharing especially with the, the the moving all the time stuff is similar to what my friend mike is is going through with his son where is my daughter is glued to her chair the whole time takes it very seriously and and you know pays complete attention and it's very easy and i part of it is a girls a boys thing i think i think boys tend to be more bouncy uh, part of it could be an age thing in the sense that she's in grade one ryan i know your kids are a little bit younger um but uh but yeah it's she's just an absolute all-star speaking of all-stars so is my wife because she is pretty much doing everything as my work has ramped up and i've taken on another responsibility i have been not available and jesse has been doing so much i've been trying to like start early with gwen but 
and and I, I I do maybe the first little bit, but Jesse does the most of it. Like I give her full credit, and we're gonna try to work out a way to balance it a little bit better in the future. But in this current lockdown, she's been doing more of it. But yeah, I feel badly for you both because I I want to say like here's some things you should try, or here's you know like I have some ideas for you. But the reality is that in in terms of virtual learning. Gwen is doing amazing and I I you know I'm just benefiting from from that and I don't have to really accommodate for somebody jumping off or not paying attention. I don't have to be the police um you know uh, any any of that stuff. So I I'm I'm sorry Derek, I wish that I had a, a great tip for you but uh I know that everybody is going through it and I think we all need to like feel comfortable talking to our, you know, bosses and other people and being like, look, this is what I'm going through right now. And like, you're going to have to, going to have to be cognizant of this. And, um, and uh, I'm trying to care, like I get roped into work and I'm trying to care less about it in favor of like caring about what's really important at the end of the day. Yeah. I, and I mean, there, there, uh, Derek wrote a, a really long, great email and we did trim some stuff out, but he did mention like he, he loves when his kids come into the office and interrupt meetings. Like it is one of those moments where it's like, ah, oh, I'm in a meeting. But as you said, Crofton, everyone is experiencing this. I had a conference call today and, uh, it was, it was, it's scheduled, uh, right after, Ashley goes to put down, uh, put Isabel to bed. So, and Caden doesn't have class. So Caden and Abigail are downstairs. They get a little bit of TV time to keep them quiet so that I can have my meeting and Ashley can go put Isabel down. And then I'm on the call and I'm sitting there with my headset and I just hear from the downstairs and everybody else can hear because geez, the microphones pick up everything. Uh, it's just Abigail saying snacks. We're hungry. (laughs) And again, like, as I've explained to her, like I, I went to, I said, I, I apologized to the meeting. I said, I got to go take care of this. They heard it all. They thought it was hilarious. Everyone's going through the same thing. Everyone's got their kids at home. And uh, I just, you know, I said, I'll be right back. And I went, I explained to the kids like, look, this is how you pause it. This is how you walk upstairs to my office and poke your head in and say, hey, we're hungry. Can we have some snacks? You know, it's, everyone's dealing with this. And uh, you're right, Crofton, like talk to your boss, talk to your manager. Um, I... I've been trying to make sure that when Ashley needs the support, I could, I go out there and I'm I'm able to 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 help out when I can, and and Ashley does the same thing when it's the weather's been nicer, so they're outside, they're playing outside, um, they're going for walks and stuff, and Ashley's just been been really great to uh, to take care of the kids while, while I'm getting work done, but also I. I try to I try to step away. I I make lunches because you know Isabel's nap overlaps, so Ashley's got the kids outside, so she's they're not waking up Isabel. So I make lunch and I bring it outside. Like it's it is a balance. It's it's about figuring out sort of a you know not just compromise but balance, as you said, Crofton. It, it there has to be a balance there, and that's the only way we're gonna make make it through this. And yeah, some days are gonna be tough. There are definitely days where every little thing in class just upsets Caden, you know, whether it's the teacher didn't, you know, give me a chance to speak or, um, you know, I, I don't know what we're doing. Like they've changed the instructions. Like, and I don't blame the teachers either. Cause I know they're also in the same situation, you know? So we just try to take it one day at a time, one session at a time. And, uh, we, you know, we try to look ahead as best we can to see what's going on in class to be best prepared. 
but that changes too. So you gotta, we, we've been, we've been rolling with the punches since September and some days are easy, some days are not, but, uh, hopefully, uh, Alberta and Ontario and, and the rest of the world are able to make it through, um, through this and through this wave and, and get back to a, to a place of, of normalcy. Um, and we can have our, we can have our summer back, but Yes, Derek, thank you so much for the email. Uh, We're going to end the show there. Extra long Dungeons & Diapers for you this week. A little more balanced, too, I think. Uh, we had almost as much diapers as we had dungeons, so there you go. Crofton, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Uh, got to talk about a lot of fun stuff. You can find more of said stuff at tgistudios.com dad. Email the show like Derek did, dad at tgistudios.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow us. You can find me at R. Murphy, Crofton at Crofton Steers, and the show at D&DCast. It's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons & Diapers. Have a great couple weeks. We'll see ya. We'll see, we'll see them when, Ryan? In two weeks. Oh, right, yes. Two weeks. We'll see, we'll see you then. We'll, we'll see you. Or, well, you'll, you will hear us then in your ears. Okay.